0: Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into Wildbo's most shortest work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Judgment 16.2. So things are
1: starting to go to hell, literally, in Jacob's (laughs) Bell.
0: Um... And
1: so... I I think that's, like, the fourth time we've managed to open an episode (laughs) like that. This place keeps going more and more to hell.
0: Yeah, but it's going to continue to be true, right?
1: (laughs) I mean, there's an epilogue, right? Surely... Sure, it'll get a bit better. Well, maybe not for Jacob's spell, but in, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, so our group runs off to Laird's house all along the way, knowing that there are going to be some protections against Barbatorum there. So they've got some kind of hope of fending off old Barb's.
1: Yep, um, and there's some fun sort of group interplay as they start to head out. Um, I particularly want to shout out Evan's attempts to go Phoenix and, and ask the Elder Sister stuff and um, condemn everyone for shutting him down like (laughs) it's a fun little universal bit where everyone's just like no
0: (laughs) Mm. yeah it feels like poor evan's never
1: gonna go phoenix um yeah i either that or it's gonna be fucking awesome when he does
0: (laughs) you think it will happen we're running out of time for it to happen if it's going to
1: yeah but um we're at the point where people need to Suddenly, pull out like you know all the stops type deal. I don't know. I I agree. It it it, it's probably just gonna stay as a funny joke. But um, if it does happen, I imagine it's gonna be fucking cool. I guess. And also, and also horrifying. It's gonna be one of those things from like, goddamn, this is cool, but the implications are awful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Um, we'll see. Uh, so um, I think the thing we want to track here, we kind of touched on it last chapter. So Rose is basically our point of view character now, right? Just Rose. Um,
1: yeah, well, it's interesting because we're in the kind of third-person uh, framing that's like yeah. used for the interludes, not the first-person I yes. sort of style, which which defines like Wabo protagonist specifically. So. Like I'm not entirely sure exactly what's going on. Still, I guess I'm still working off my theory that we talked about last episode, where this is somehow more Blake, but yep. not quite enough to justify first person. But yeah, this is these are effectively functioning like Rose interludes at the moment. Yes, um, and I think it's really interesting to pay attention
0: to, obviously how she refers to Blake um, and track that because it's there's some interesting bits throughout this first part of this chapter. Yeah. Um, so first of all, there's this bit where Rose feels Blake. I'm going to read it out. Uh, it goes, Rose felt a chill and it was mirrored in a way by a near simultaneous sensation from the spirit that dwelt within her. And this is the start of Rose seemingly referring to Blake as just that spirit inside me, <laughs> not even a name. Like, I don't know if this is intentional by Walbo or just kind of a Roseism, but it does seem that Blake's identity is slipping away.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's hard not to read into it a little bit like that because um, there's been so many references that we've talked about to Blake being small, and he's still giving away so much. Um, I I think it's fair to start to uh, like you know have Rose seeing him as a bit less. Like we used to condemn the way that she was treated him as less in like arc ten, but yeah, I mean he definitely is now. I mean don't don't treat him like that, but um. I mean, you know, it's rude, but it's not wrong.
0: <laughs> yes, it is correct that he is literally less of a person now. And it feels dodgy to say that, but it is true.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, you know, if you can't say something nice, don't think anything at all, I guess. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, the, the other bit that jumped out to me here as well was the line right after that, where uh, on thinking that Blake had the same sort of reaction to her, she thinks the two sensations were just different enough for it to be uncomfortable. And, um, you know, it's, again, where there's more of this stuff, like, th- these two can be on the same page, but, God, like, it just doesn't work. Like, it's, yeah. you know, even, even when they agree and have this same idea together, it, I mean, it just literally hurts them. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, yeah, like, I'm so interested to see where this goes, because this is a long arc. I Like, I, I'm starting to not see how Blake can stay in here for the whole thing. Yeah, I yeah,
0: I mean, it does feel like he's just becoming more and more a part of Rose, right? A little librarian yeah. inside her head, fetching bits.
1: <laughs> yeah, but in an unsustainable way, which yes. is, of course, very Blake. But um, uh, uh, yeah, are we going to get him out, or are we just going to watch him disintegrate in the final? Arc yeah, of we're going to just see less and less of him. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what it's starting to feel like. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. So there's this other bit that I really liked, where Rose is thinking about uh, Johannes and how he might be able to, you know, make a claim for lordship with Barbatorum. I I don't know why I'm calling him Johannes. It's Barbatorum. But anyway. Yeah. um, And Rose thinks it wouldn't be a long reign, Rose thought, but that might only mean more suffering in a shorter span of time. And this is so interesting because this is more or less the exact wording that Conquest had when thinking about Rose being the Lord or the Lady, I guess, back in 15.7. And it's a nice uh, little subtle thing that I, you probably wouldn't have caught unless you were kind of paying attention. But it's just like so obviously hey, here's Conquest for being influencing <laughs> to you.
1: Yep. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like it definitely jumped out to me, although as you said we're reading this these chapters multiple times. Um so like it maybe was 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 more obvious to, to us because of the way we're doing this, but um I I read yeah. that and was immediately like, okay, that's definitely what Conquest just said a few chapters ago. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, and, and you're right. Like it kind of complements what you were just saying like there was this line where she kind of minimized blake and then immediately following that we have her just quoting conquest yeah um it's not a good sign i mean last we saw of blake conquest wasn't actively attacking him but not long before that he was yeah eh, uh, (laughs) who knows what's going on uh, yeah because because something something we've we haven't really seen like conquest was planning all these routes and stuff so actively when we were still in blake's head yeah Rose hasn't thought about it much at all. Um, she she occasionally has thoughts like, "Oh, I shouldn't let conquest to get too much ground." Yeah. Um, but she doesn't seem to view it as as active a problem as it seems to be in yes. Blake's uh, in Blake's <laughs> point of view.
0: Yeah, you're right. Because conquest was saying things like, "Oh, Rose knows what price she's paying." But now that we're in her head, she kind of doesn't.
1: Yeah, it's. it's like... She's too blind to the short term is kind yeah. of her problem. Like I think that's she she has the she has these abstract thoughts of I can't let Conquest get too much ground um in, in sort of the big picture. But uh in the moment she just sort of is like, Oh, I need to tap it now. And it's kind of a very different form of doing the same thing as Blake. Like she's doing the same thing but for very different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not unlike what he used to do with the glamour and stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, re- remember when that was the biggest problem in his life? Oh, Blake.
0: To to go back to that <laughs> early Blake.
1: Remember when Blake could just sit and have
0: a party with his friends and be happy? I miss those days. <laughs> remember when Blake was human? <laughs> <laughs> that was like eight bodies ago, surely.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's the I, I, if he does come out of Rose, I can't wait to see what his next... Body is vessel yeah. looks like yeah because like is it going to be somebody else is it going to be something else like I yeah it's it's going to be fantastic whatever it is um so I got my fingers crossed we do make it that far
0: we'll see um so uh, they start to get to uh, Laird's house and Emily uh, Phil's niece notices there's an illusion here and Page breaks it and it's felon and Laird they've been them here and they start fucking shit up
1: <laughs> Uh yeah um and and so to jump back to the bit where page uh, she uses like a dagger to yeah. dispel this illusion uh i think she pulls it out again later but to to do the same thing but like do you reckon that's meant to be her implement um i don't know maybe i'm just latching on to page related stuff how long I'm so has keen it to been to see where she's at how long has it been since page met isadora like, like uh, two months a month, or, a month a month or two yeah, yeah yeah i think that's about how like you know 90 percent of the time that's covered in this whole story, was when Blake was in the abyss. Yes. So, however long he was in there, plus, like, a week. Yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder if it is so implement. I mean, anytime you see a practitioner using a tool like that, it's fairly safe to assume it's their implement, unless they're explicitly uh, a kind of tool collector like Blake was.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, just the way Paige reached for this multiple times, I, I don't know, it, it was interesting, because she seems like... Uh, i don't know i guess like thinking on like a dagger as an implement i kind of saw Mm. it as it's like a little sword right so it's going to share a lot of connotations with the sword except like being smaller and like i guess more sneaky like i would see a a dagger being something you know that's associated with backstabbing more than you know being a a brute yeah and Um, it's
0: only a little bit phallic
1: (laughs) yeah exactly um but, like, that doesn't strike me as Paige at all. Paige kind of seems still uh, very submissive to Isadora, I guess. Um, like, she, she she, kind of seems like a deer in the headlights half the time. Like, she's just yeah. sort of jumping to Isadora. And, I mean, there is a bit where she doesn't answer. It's because Isadora asked her a question. I thought that like, that was a nice subtle <laughs> thing that didn't leap out to me till the second yeah. time I was going through this. I was like, oh, I see, because she asked a question. Um, But, like... I don't know, like, I guess I don't don't feel like a dagger is a good implement fit for Paige, so I'm trying to figure out if it's just not, if I'm misunderstanding Paige, or if I'm misunderstanding the dagger.
0: Well, so the way I see it, Paige seems to be specialising in illusions and and that kind of stuff, and that does, that kind of tricksy stuff does fit a dagger's vibe to me, but it doesn't fit her personality, it fits her practice, and so she's kind of seemingly throwing herself very headfirst into, you know, declaring herself by her practice... Which feels like the kind of thing that someone that throws themselves so deeply into their, you know, studies slash work slash life in that way would do.
1: Yeah. Well, wasn't Isadora talking about taking her on as a temporary familiar or something? Yeah. Um, so, like, and Isadora would obviously be the main factor in, in a familiar. Like, like, we've talked about familiars who sort of take over the practitioner in, in, in other cases. Like yep. Maybe maybe we've got to view the dagger more as an implement that covers Isadora yeah um, interesting Than than page like it's it's more isadora's implement page is just the one who has to wield it
0: yeah i could see that
1: um and i mean yeah. thinking on is thinking on isadora i could see a dagger not not suiting her yeah i mean it's basically just one of her claws right yeah yeah exactly
0: um let's talk about these dead felon lair what are we calling them zombies <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah I, I was calling them murals in my um oh yeah i like that in, in my uh live raid which i was pretty proud of yeah. yeah that's good um so we find out that
0: they have the ability to practice here because they you know uh mural fell has done an illusion and it yeah it made me think back to last chapter how we'd had that conversation about whether fell was lying about being a trick or not and it made me feel like well if they if they can practice that means they're probably still bound by their oaths, which means the fact that they theoretically lied last chapter, it's even worse. It's even more of a dick move to their <laughs> memories, which I, I think is pretty hilarious.
1: Yeah, or I'd lean almost more in the sense of them being real enough to not count as a trick. I, I, I'm going with it wasn't a lie. Because, you know, if, if Led's real enough to claim his domain, I, I think it's fair to say this is more than a trick. Yeah, um, fair enough. I mean, I'm I'm arguing semantics, but like that's what that's yeah, what this story packed, is all about. So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Like I think it's so interesting. Like it, this whole facet of it, where it's kind of like these fakes are such so genuine that they can, tr- or that the spirits basically treat them as legit, feels so, kind of wrong. And like, I mean, Podrick has hinted that. As a fairy, if he glamours himself up enough, he can start to like do the practice or something. So yeah. it's clearly not a uniquely demon thing, but like you know, Blake and Rose have both passed as human, um, and and you know like awoken and been given the the ability to practice. So there's this there's this interesting trend I've noticed where a lot of these demon manifestations, like I want to use the word creations, but yeah, like that that it was like patently not the right word. Um, but like these demon spawned things they're so wrong that they kind of just like trick the whole system and they're kind of right again like and somehow that makes it feel more off to me like the idea that laird can practice here and reclaim his domain is just so wrong like the the memory ism person shouldn't be that that's strong but it kind of is like i don't know i just think it's a really cool um weird paradox mm.
0: yeah yeah it is it's interesting i i don't i don't know what to make of it and i i I worry that since we see Phil and Laird uh, die again, <laughs> this chapter, that, we, that we're not going to get to explore it more. But it is quite interesting to think about.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like with many of the things in this story um, where I'm like, you, you could do a whole story on that one mechanic. Yeah, definitely. Um
0: yeah, so Laird uh, is still Laird enough for magic. So basically he reveals that his domain recognises him. The Baham ring seems to recognise him. Um, and he is him enough to start taking back some of these Baham assets that he has a claim to.
1: Yeah, and so obviously like part of the reason this is working is because Alistair lost the actual ring. Yep. So Laird's fake one is kind of r- real enough. Yeah, um, it's
0: the most real one
1: that exists. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, and like we've just had the barber come back into the story, who is someone we thought was lost to the abyss, but is now with the lawyers. So the ring kind of lines up with this whole idea of, uh, you know, things that were lost to the abyss. That's <laughs> that's kind of the lawyers now. Yeah. Um, and and it definitely reinforces how genuine these clones are.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's interesting. I thinking about these clones. I really like. You know, we saw them last chapter, and the vibe you get is. Oh, they're this kind of emotional attack. They're here as a distraction. They're just gonna kind of fuck with you emotionally and then the lawyers are gonna pull some other trick. Mm. But you know, we've escaped them and they're back and they've they've kind of revealed, No, 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 we're not just an emotional attack. We're actually really competent practitioners and we can kinda of hold our own against <laughs> this group of, you know, twelve. Um it, it it's the perfect manifestation of the idea of this story being about you know the the younger generation getting away from the the burdens of the older generation and now this is a kind of literal manifestation of that struggle it's great
1: yeah that's such a good point because it's like the uh, the elders of these families uh that we're fighting in this yeah. chapter um that yeah i really like that connection um obviously yeah, i like it because as you said like last chapter they were the distraction um and this chapter, they kind of still are, but they're like a, a very good distraction. Yeah. Relative relative to the barber, I think they still count as just a distraction. Yeah. Um. But they're very good ones, and because obviously, like, like I love how the group sort of starts to talk about how to tackle them, and it's like, well, you can't let the person who is actually connected to them, fight them because yep. they're the ones who are the most at risk. Yes. But also those are the only ones who are equipped to fight them. Um <laughs> I guess we talked about this last chapter, but just this whole idea of like, you know, evil, undead clones of characters is a very popular trope for this exact sort of reason. It's just for the emotions of the characters is such a fun thing to play with. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah, it works pretty well, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, well, because now it's not that you can just ignore them. Now they actually have to kill them. Yes. Like now, like, but last chapter was sort of like, oh, they're the distraction and we just need to get away. Now it's like, okay, Led, Led's actually like in his domain kind of threatening his family. We need to kill him.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Led is, is kind of claiming his domain and making threats against his family. And Alistair and Ainsley obviously can't have that. Um, so they kind of make a break for the front and back entrances of the house to try and get inside um, and a fight breaks out, um, and Fel and Laird are holding their own against this group by themselves. I mean, they have an in it, <laughs> but, but basically by themselves.
1: Yeah. Um, the, I feel like there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk about here. Um, I guess I'll just summarize it with, uh, Ty, Ty's not doing good. Yeah. Um, you know, we just lost Alexis, uh, and now Ty, well, I mean, Ty gets shot. Uh, in a bit but like even before he gets shot Rose sort of takes a moment to look at him because you know she cares now And he was like, holy shit, he looks terrible. Yeah,
0: Ty is doing badly enough that I thought for a moment he was going to trigger. But that doesn't happen. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, there's this interesting bit where Ty gets shot. And then I actually didn't notice. Ty only gets one or one other line where he's name dropped. Rose really just isn't paying attention to Ty. Like, Blake needs to give a bit more of that empathy juice into her. Because she's not paying attention to this guy who is maybe dying.
1: I mean. Yeah, I, I, I think we could go back to Arc Seven and find a few examples where Blake lost track of his friends at times. I mean, yeah, true. Remember, remember when he dragged them into to the negotiation for the conquest contest as bait? Yeah, um, Good and then kind of almost forgot they were there a couple of times. Uh, you know, I think I think Blake gave her everything he's got. Um, and this is just still a. Blind, That's but... just part of it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, because you're right. He gets shot and he falls over, and then later he's the one who figures out that she wants to go to the church um so like between bullet wounds he's still figuring stuff out quicker than others yeah um but it's not very clear how he runs alongside them i guess somebody's carrying him
0: yeah we'll see um yeah i want to touch on on rose and how she handles herself in this fight because she's she doesn't freeze up or anything she just goes into her little mind palace and kind of gets lost in the strategy instead of the tactics and it's Mm. i really from for most of this this is one little bit where she where she does something but for most of this she she does almost nothing in this fight and it <laughs> feels so different to how blake would just throw himself full-on into this
1: yeah absolutely she's such a different perspective which you know, yeah. obviously makes sense um i like i think i think what's kind of funny about this whole bit is the point where she actually does something is when she starts chanting the hymn yeah. and like, Blake gives that information yes, to her? Yes, that
0: was definitely prompted by Blake.
1: And, and, like, I might be being a bit unfair because she's the one who starts to brainstorm what is the information, like, about this imp. Like, she she figures out the choir and she's like, okay, now what can I do? And that's sort of when Blake jumps in w- with an answer. So she was kind of getting there, but, um, like, I think the imagery holds up that she was just kind of waffling it with this big picture stuff, and Blake was like, do a thing. Yeah, do just this. do something. This is the thing. You need to do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it, she really doesn't have that attitude that I think every other wildbird protagonist has, where they just will keep trying shit until something works. <laughs> uh
1: yeah, yeah. Um yeah. I yeah, I like I mean she mentions how keen Blake is to help yeah. in this in this situation. Like I think I think her sort of phrasing is when she's like, ah, oh, six choir, so I just need something that can fight them and she's like Blake was like, you know, so ready and happy to have something to give to me so like you're right it's just it's just this really different ethos of her being like you know how can we sort of solve this problem and analytically thinking and Blake's just like oh yeah yeah yeah, we get to do a thing we're doing this we're doing this let's do it
0: yeah definitely um yeah I I <laughs> you can obviously we don't hear from Blake but you can kind of feel his frustration here
1: right <laughs> yeah you can imagine like you know, cause he's not bumping around as much as he was last chapter yeah. as Rose sort of commented on how it was really un- unpleasant. So like, I feel like, uh, I feel like inside Rose's head, Blake is just being as patient as possible. Um, which, you know, for him is like, you know, he's got a very low threshold before yeah. he's being patient. Um, like i'd be so fascinated to see all this from blake's perspective yeah which like i know i know i'm asking for too much because i spent this whole book saying i wanted to see the the story from rose's <laughs> perspective and now we're finally seeing it from rose's perspective and i'm like oh no i want blake's too yeah i want
0: blake back can't we just have gr- left eye rose right eye blake and let's just do that
1: <laughs> the grass is always greener
0: yeah yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, so we get this part where uh, the fight continues until eventually Fel pulls a gun to Rose's head and all she can really do to keep him from shooting her is, you know, tap Conquest Energy um, and kind of glare conquestily at him. Um, But of course, if she looks away or tries to escape, that'll break the spell and she'll get shot. Uh, So she's in this kind of Mexican standoff until suddenly Green Eyes just appears and starts eating Fel. (laughs)
1: Um yeah so i mean it's interesting here because the implication seems to be that it wasn't the conquesty stare that held fell back as much as it was it was it became a connection that fell could feed off of yes like you know rose turned herself by by like leeching from conquest yeah into one of like uh mural fell's targets yes um and she mentions that that connection was starting to get eaten and kind of perverted mm. um, by Mer's stuff, and that hasn't really gone anywhere yet. So I'm interested to see if that means anything. Like, if
0: what kind of thing are you thinking? Like, the connection between her and Conquest?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was more thinking, does this mean Mer's got something more on Conquest? Like, you know, we've we've talked a lot about how Rose thought when Blake gave her something that was tainted by the Abyss, does that mean the Abyss has hooks in her now? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, does this give Mer a little bit of access to Conquest? Or, yeah, does it just fuck up her thing with Conquest? You know, I, like, I don't know. Um, I'm interested to see where this exact thread goes because it feels like something that just happened and hasn't really been addressed yet. But it's gonna to have to be important because she relies on Conquest's energy a fair amount. Yeah,
0: yeah, fair enough. Um, so I just want to do a bit of Green Eyes appreciation because this is a classic Green mm-hmm. Eyes kill. Just appears out of nowhere, eats this guy, and kind of slinks back off under the snow. <laughs> I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh it's very Arc thirteen.
0: Yeah, and it's very it's very direct. You know, one of the things that Blake has always had going for him is his kind of crude bluntness. That kind of just blusters his way through trickery, and that's exactly what happens here. Like, fellas, an illusionist. So the way you do that is just fucking gun it, get <laughs> yeah. bluster through his illusions, and and bite him.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I really like that. That's a good point. Like, it's the same as you know how you'd be blunt to to annoy fairies. Um, it's the same some sort of type of yes. idea. Yes. Yeah. Um, I I also really just like this moment because I think with the Evan talk, like we didn't mention it, but there was some there was some more Evan talk just before where. Rose and Evan kind of have an argument about what well, whether he should go do something and whether Blake would think that's the right thing to do. Yeah, and um, uh, like the Evan thing sort of I think got gears turning in the back of my head that were like where's Green Eyes, but it didn't quite become a conscious thought. And then Green Eyes just suddenly appears and you're suddenly like, yeah, where was Green Eyes? Uh, it, it's it's a great <laughs> it's it's just a great little thing cause, and she just slinks back off. I think she's mentioned in the church at the end, but uh, it's funny how now we're out of Blake's perspective, she's. Yeah. She's getting left behind even more than when we were in Blake's perspective.
0: I feel like she likes it like that.
1: She likes being not noticed by Rose because then if she
0: needs to make a move, you know, she can.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely something she's doing on purpose because uh, it's something that gets brought up is just the the very human loathing energy she gives off towards Rose. Yeah. Um. Like she Ro Green is sticking around to make sure Rose lets Blake back out, um, that's going to be fun as we get there and we start to see how little Blake is left.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um so they've, you know, they've got some small victory over Fell. Seems like they're going to do well, but suddenly the lawyers catch up. Um so they realize they're not going to have enough time to get past Laird, so they ditch the house, pull a Blake, start burning it. You know, better to lose this resource
1: than to give it to the lawyers. <laughs> not for the first time in this story, uh it feels like, like um yep. This this took me back a little bit to, like, our time in Toronto, like, when the Conquest contest was going on. Yeah. Uh, and it was sort of like, you know, Blake and co were just sort of going from secret base to secret base, just trying to avoid getting taken out by a more powerful enemy. It feels like we're sort of back there again. This is sort yeah. of... The Warriors are an even worse, scarier version of Conquest's original armada. Yeah. Um,
0: it really... It really just feels like and this is a continuation of the theme of this arc i guess you know resources being lost one after the other right um yeah we lose i guess laird's wife we presumably lose some behames because laird has done some alistair contesting or not necessarily behames but some behame power um the eye is left behind in the house so we don't know what's going on there ty has gotten shot he's not dead yet at least um (laughs) and rose is kind of reflecting on this it's like you know, crossing off the resources one by one.
1: Yeah. And wait, well, yeah. And, and I mean I you're right, this is the part that really like Rose contemplating on it, that's what really took me back to Toronto and this idea of like I remember how scrappy Blake's team was and how they were just kind of getting beaten down in every confrontation against um Conquest's team. Yeah. Um Yeah. So I mean I, I'm so interested. Now it's sort of everyone's in the church. I feel like we're gonna get our Um, final town meeting or council meeting type thing where everyone Mm. figures out what to do and, yeah, I'm so interested to see what everyone's going (laughs) to (laughs) do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so the group realises they need some sanctuary so it's time to reform the council. They head to the church. Uh, Sandra is already there and so is Mags.
1: Yeah, I mean, Sandra fucking saves the day. Good thing she showed up when she
0: did. Yeah, she does some cool uh, enchantress magic. Um, And so uh, something I noticed here is we don't see any interaction between Sandra and Jeremy, which I was a little annoyed at. But I was thinking about, because we're in Rose's head, she doesn't really notice that stuff. And it actually occurred to me that looking through this chapter... Every single time Jeremy is mentioned, she thinks of him as the high priest, never as Jeremy. And it's just another difference between her and Blake, right? She's just not able to connect to people.
1: That's such a good point. Like, I I hadn't noticed that, but as soon as you said it, I was like, yes, like, she's just called him the high priest. Um, Blake kind of flitted because he was never close with Jeremy. I mean, I think they had moments of connection, but they spent a lot more time as enemies than friends. Yeah. but they they
0: had a kind of similarity to them, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Whereas Rose has none of that connection. Um, so you're right; it's entirely plausible that Rose just didn't notice them interact. Which I'm going to hold on to as as gospel because I need them <laughs> to have like made up already. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm sure they'll get a happy ending in the story. <laughs> um, there's this really funny bit here where Rose kind of freaks out because Mags calls her Blake. It's because mag's obviously recognizes Blake inside her but Rose thinks it's uh, mags is actually portrayjuring again <laughs> and it's like yeah mags is potentially dangerous but I don't know it just it's just a really funny moment and it it felt like she should have known that that's what it was because even last chapter Isadora referred to Blake inside her and Rose got a bit pissed off and it kind of gives me this vibe that Rose just freaked out on Maggie uh, sorry, not Maggie, Mags, because she was just kind of upset that she was being talked past. Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that was the thing with, with Isadora. Um, and I mean, you know, like it's very understandable why you'd get upset with the whole people talking past yes. you to the person living inside you thing. But we don't need to go there. That's kind of been covered and we've got Ward. Um, Like, I, I just I think this was a separate incident. I think this is just funny because the way Blake reacts to Mags' thing i think he had the same thought and he maybe even gave this thought to rose so there's this sense of like she says hey blake and rose and blake are immediately like oh fuck it's it, it's happening again like you know fool me twice uh <laughs> the third time though um so it, yeah i do i it, it's a very funny moment because it sort of starts happening and i was like oh sh- surely surely not again like no
0: <laughs> it's a good moment isn't it it's hilarious
1: <laughs>
0: yeah um so you know we're all inside the church everyone reunites and the Thorburns get a little reunion and it's hilarious Peter's great it's top moment 10 out of 10.
1: (laughs) Yeah he is um I mean there's lots of interesting sort of quick yeah character uh, framing bits here like it's one of those things where I feel like as we move forward and people presumably start to argue about what we're going to do all these little details like green eyes sitting with you know uh the pizza revenant um and and the faceless woman like stuff like that the way all these groups subtly interact is gonna is gonna come back um because it's rose we don't see much outside of her immediate group yeah um you know we do get to see her with alistair i think like this is the thing that concerns me we've touched on this but i kind of weirdly am on board with rose and alistair's relationship yeah it's great Um, and the fact that she feels awkward sitting next next to him as i was like eagle-eyedly going through all the ways people were mentioned as connecting or or not connecting. And then it's just like, this. it seemed like this big red flag as like, I want them to go well, but now I'm worried they won't. Like, you know, I don't think I can handle it if these two start to take opposite sides on whatever the fuck their plan could possibly be here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Um, but like, yeah, I, I know. Rose doesn't actually think too much about most of the people and where they sit, so... Um, i reckon maybe we'll get more next chapter yeah i'm sure we
0: will um i want to just call attention to this thorburn moment a classic peter moment <laughs> where he makes some really dumb jokes at Paige's expense and you can tell he's kind of been waiting for a chance to do this ever since they've been on the run and he finally gets you know to relative sanctuary
1: and so of course time to really let her have it i think the bit that makes this really work for me is like obviously Peter's being like just a complete fuckwit, um. But like I genuinely believe him when his response to Page's "I loathe you" is "Yeah, I, I love you too." Yeah, um, because I like, I think I I think that is what he's doing here. Like I think I think you know I've 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 known people like this. Like he he probably just sees this as kind of family ribbing. Like he you yeah. know, this is his way of connecting with her, and um, I, I think this actually is him sort of expressing a form of love for her and and that's like you know it's it's kind of sad and and beautiful at the same time yeah um
0: yeah based on the you know the kinds of interactions we've seen the Thorburns have I'm sure this is just their way of expressing yeah. kind of solidarity
1: yeah yeah exactly um I I yeah I I was weirdly like I I think Peter really means that last bit like that's what he was trying to do here is open a dialogue with you And this is unfortunately the only way he knows how or is capable of doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, But yeah, I guess we'll see more of Peter's friendly banter next chapter because this (laughs) chapter has come to an end.
1: Yep. Uh, And so for our bonus bit, uh, we're going to dive into some comments because the the story's starting to come to a close. But I'm not sure if everyone knew that uh you know five years ago so it's it's interesting to see what people were thinking as they maybe unknowingly started to enter the end of the story yeah as we entered the
0: end game here um do you want to pull out a comment of yours first elliot
1: yeah i cheated again i pulled out two little ones because the first one isn't really anything (laughs) um well actually the first one's from quite possibly a cat oh Um, my my mistake (laughs) um and, and it's I just brought out this one as well as my main one because I thought it was a funny little thought. But quite possibly, a cat was thinking: if Green Eyes eats one of the undead demon lawyers, you know that that re- seem to have regenerative <laughs> like skills. Yeah, does she just digest them forever? Like maybe this is a way around her constant abyssal hunger. Is she just eats a regenerative? Yeah, just uh, keep demon eating lawyer. the same lawyer. Um, I mean, you know, this is packed, so like these sorts of loopholes are encouraged, right? Yeah, I'm sure it um, will work. Yeah, it's that easy.
0: Eating demon uh, demonified flesh definitely won't have any downsides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, radiation's not a concern here, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> um, um, I put I, a I, comment by a user called Morbid Fire, um, and they were talking about, well, something that we were thinking about as well this chapter, which is, Bikes had so many, you know, he, he's evolved so many times, what's his next evolution going to be? You know, if you rub a leaf stone on him, what does he turn into? Um, and uh, I realise I've written this down wrong, but Morbid Fire has predicted that, uh, perhaps the Briar Girl is going to get Blake a new body. Because we know the Briar Girl, one, messes with dead stuff, two, is related to what got Blake his old stick body, and three, loves the forest. And so, I'm sure there's some way of Briar Girl putting together a new body as a kind of, now go and fight demons, kind of helping hand,
1: um... Do do we want Blake to get another stick body? (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, depends on how much stuff he's lighting on fire, I guess is the answer to that. Uh,
1: yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know if we want him reliving that part of his life. Yeah, uh, true. I guess is, is my concern. That was a, a real low body. point.
0: Um, <laughs> well, it was until now. I think this is the current low point for Blake.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, that's Blake's magic power, is always finding another low point. Yes. Um, uh, so, my other comment, uh, that's sort of my actual one, is from uh, Sir Fuente. Who noted that like Rose, uh, Sir so described it as have this sort of view of reverence of of Blake. Like she sees him as this magic tool for dodging bullets. Um, and I mean, mm. I like this because I mean, you know, we've read the story so far. We know that that's actually kind of true. Blake is yeah amazing, amazingly. In fact, uh, I think one of the sub comments under this was, um, that Blake literally has dodged Conquest's bullets, so it's fair. Um, but. I liked this as this idea, like Rose always kind of viewed people as tools and you know, we've, we've seen in her head in the last few chapters that this was kind of, you know, something she did because she saw Blake's way of viewing it. And I was reading it in a more heartwarming way. Whereas there is definitely a read here. I think where Rose has just taken Blake on as a tool. <laughs> um, and at least she just saw the usefulness of him and didn't want to let him go for that reason. It that's probably a bit unfair. Um, at, Maybe maybe this is one of those it's both situations. Yeah. Um. But like, what what's the interesting wrinkle on top of that is now that she's taken him into her, Blake has been giving her feelings. Is she going to start to develop genuine care for Blake? Meanwhile, he's no longer having those sorts of feelings (laughs) it's (laughs) interesting are we gonna are we gonna have a role reversal where blake suddenly becomes the cold one who's just manipulating rose from the inside in the efficient way and rose is the one who's like wait blake don't i like you know i actually care about you
0: yeah interesting i mean blake did have the vision of how he was a kind of user of people and this would bring that to pass in a very tangible way
1: yeah good point so i mean he he already he already was kind of fulfilling that role pretty handedly but this would make (laughs) it worse
0: yeah it would make it a
1: lot worse um
0: I'm sure we have that to look forward to next time in Judgment 16.3. Thanks for joining us, folks. If you have thoughts on this episode or this chapter, you can leave them in our discussion thread, which is also the place you can leave your answer to our discussion question. In what kinds of situations is it okay to use a demon? We've got a bunch of answers already, Elliot, but a lot of people are basically just saying, no way, never. And I'm interested to hear if anyone has any situations where they would use a demon
1: yeah yeah how bad does it have to get before you before you think that they start to become okay um yeah, yeah, I'm interested to see where people can take this one. Yeah. Um if you if you want to leave thoughts on other doof shows, um and only other doof shows, you, you don't want to go to other podcasts, no way. trust me. Um head on over to doofmedia.com and you can see all the doof podcasts. We've we've mentioned Kingslinger's here a bunch. That's cuz it's real good and it's real new. It's, yes. it's nice and fresh. Uh, it's back to the more we've got worm style covering, you know, a significant amount of a story at once formula. Uh, which can be nice. Man, um, i got
0: to say, the Dark Tower, the first Dark Tower book, I'm really enjoying it, but it's so confusing, and I'm so glad that I'm <laughs> reading this along with a companion podcast <laughs> that can explain all the shit that I missed.
1: I Yeah, I completely agree. This is one of those books where it's just like, I'm really glad there's someone else to explain to me what the hell's happening as this is happening. Yep. Um, um,
0: other great shows on the Doof Media Network include We've Got Ward, mm, What You Say, uh, Do The Right Thing, and a bunch of yeah. other cool things. The Doofcast just did their episode on seven, which I really enjoyed.
1: Yes. In fact, we probably dropped the ball a bit. We didn't plug Doof the Right Thing, the uh the, the writing contest oh, yeah. that's just finished enough. Well um too late that's now. just finished. Uh yeah, but uh the voting is about to open and that's open to our patrons. So ah. if you head to patreon.com forward slash Media for just one dollar a month, you get the Discord, you get the voting in Doof the Right Thing and the fan art contest and everything. So that's the place to go where you're gonna get to read the frankly absurd amount of stories that got submitted for that contest. It was yeah. very successful. I don't think they needed us. And it's all the best um, ones. So m- definitely make sure to check it out. Uh, yeah.
0: You, everyone says that voting is very important. And in this kind of democracy, you've got to buy your vote. And you buy it by supporting us on Patreon. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash Duff Media and become a, spon- a sponsor today.
1: Yeah. Um, and and Wabo has a Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash uh, Wabo. That's where... You, you trade in money for stories, and yes, do it. Do it. <laughs> it's a good deal. Um, thanks for joining I mean, us. I mean, folks. I mean cause there's, no, there's no better way to sell it. I yeah. mean, you get Wild stories for your money. Like, yeah. good. Th- that's bang for your buck uh,
0: when Andy and his rocket launcher are involved, especially. Um, <laughs> so, thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, our next episode, Judgment 16.3, will be coming out on Friday, the 31st, February Eve, we call it. So, we will see you then. See ya.